0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 45. If you're considering a Royal Caribbean cruise to the Caribbean this summer or fall, it may sound like a great idea, but you should be very aware of hurricane season and how it can impact or not impact your cruise vacation. Lots of our listeners struggle with this decision to chance a cruise this time of year, so this week, we're going to discuss the pros and cons of taking a cruise during hurricane season. Here we go. This week's subject is actually brought up by one of our listeners. It's Stephanie Ozine, And Stephanie writes, Hi, Matt. I'm considering a Caribbean cruise and wondering about hurricane season. How often do cruises get disrupted or canceled? Can you cover yourself with trip insurance? What happens if the cruise isn't canceled but has to divert for a storm? How much should I worry? Thanks again for the great info and inspiration. Stephanie, it's a great question. And you know what? It's something I think a lot of people come up with because they're looking at cruises and you know, it's easy enough when you're looking during other times of the year, but you look at certain cruises in the months when, you know, you have to off from school, kids especially, right? That's the summer. And even in the fall when you get fall breaks and there are lots of holidays that go on in the fall and you look for an opportunity to go cruising there and there's some great prices, but there is risk. So what is hurricane season? Hurricane season began actually just a couple of weeks ago, in fact, on June 1st, and it runs all the way through November 30th of the year. It's the typical time where storms occur. Most hurricanes, especially storms that really impact cruisers and are of significance, don't usually happen until later in the season, like August through October. And September and October are, in fact, the worst months for hurricanes, or the prime month, as it were. But they can occur at any point. And again, the the June 1 and November 30th dates, those are you know obviously floating. They can happen before, they can happen after, after. It's just when the most likely occurrence of a hurricane is going to uh, occur, for lack of a better word. So let's talk about what Stephanie's questions are and kind of branch off that, if you will. So how often do cruises get disrupted or canceled? Actually, it's pretty rare. Maybe a handful a year. I'm talking like two, three at the most. It's actually very uncommon to be canceled. Canceled, you really have to have a big storm that like totally socks in the entire area. An example might be one where the ship can't dock where it's supposed to begin and it can't even dock anywhere else in that region, okay? So some sort of a huge massive storm that impacts the entire state of Florida and is you know just a massive thing, then it might be canceled. But in my experience, certainly at least the years I've been covering Royal Caribbean blog, I can tell you that most cruises are disrupted far more than they're canceled. Now disruptions vary. Sometimes a disruption means you miss a port. Sometimes it means you miss a couple ports, sometimes you change itineraries completely. As is often the case, sometimes ships will go from having a Western Caribbean itinerary to an Eastern Caribbean itinerary, or vice versa if a storm is in the Western or Eastern Caribbean. So that's the most likely scenario, is that you might not visit Falmouth because there's a storm heading there, and instead you might have a sea day, or you might visit, I don't know, Grand Cayman or something, uh, you know, some other island island. In the case, world equipment really does its best to accommodate what they can. I mean, they really don't want you to have a bad experience. It's not in their best financial interest for you to have a bad experience, but there's only so much they can do. Now, the thing is, is if the crews can leave, they will definitely try to get it out there because people are looking forward to their vacations. And as long as it's safe, they're happy to at least try to get it out there. Now, the good news is the ships are very adept at figuring out where to go, when to go and and obviously your safety is a big concern for them. They are, there's no benefit for Royal Caribbean chancing something that's going to end up in bad news for them. And they're certainly very aware of this now. So when they're planning these cruises, trust me, they're going to make whatever chances or changes they have to make if necessary. I mean, we've seen cruises in some cases where, you know, they were supposed to go to the Caribbean out of say, Port Canaveral and they actually go up north to like Baltimore. Now it's not the most exciting cruise to go to Baltimore or, or up the eastern seaboard, but you know what? If that's what it means avoiding the storm, that's what it can do. So again, your level of disruption or cancellation varies. Again, it might be a missed day here or there. It might be a missed port, but that's basically kind of what you should expect. Now, can you cover yourself with trip insurance? You know, I might get some flack for this, but here's my stance on trip insurance. Trip insurance is, it's like any insurance, right? It always, if you have it and you need it, It's great to have it. The thing is, I don't usually get it. And this is my personally, me, Matt, does not get it. And if you agree with me, then more power to you. And if not, that's okay too. We Obviously, everyone's different. Trip insurance, if your idea is to get trip insurance in case of a hurricane, I really don't think it's a great investment for a couple of reasons. One, trip insurance only kicks in if your cruise is canceled. If your cruise is disrupted, if you go nowhere, if you sit in port for seven days, that does not count. The sh- You got on the cruise. You took your cruise. And again, Royal Caribbean, if you read their fine, fine print, does not make any guarantee you're actually going to go anywhere. It's kind of one of the little uh, things that all the cruise companies do, in fact. So if you're, if you're in Illinois and your cruise is next week and you see there's a huge storm. It's coming right for where your cruise ship is going to go. And you say to yourself, well, I don't want to go anymore because there's a huge storm coming. There's no doubt about it. I don't want to go. The insurance will not cover it until... They actually cancel the cruise. That's the thing. You have to go down there. You have to get inconvenienced and you have to, you know, go through the whole process. To me, that's why it's not worth it to me. And let me tell you also from experience, it's not a guarantee. And this is definitely not a guarantee, but when things go bad with Royal Caribbean, if their cruise has to be canceled during storms or, you know, even some disruptions of, of cruises, they often offer some sort of compensation or rebooking or something like that. It may not be 100%, but again, they'll offer you something. The bottom line is in order to get your money's worth of the trip insurance in those in this particular scenario to avoid a hurricane, it's very rare and it's very difficult. And again, even if the storm is coming and it you go nowhere and you, you have to skip all your ports because the storm is there, but as long as you're on your cruise, it doesn't count. So I think it's a very big misconception about trip insurance. It's something you should keep in mind if you do get it. But again, it's insurance so it makes it gives you peace of mind which is what most insurance plans you know offer really then hey more power for you so what happens if the cruise isn't cancelled again they'll try to do what they can to get around it as the great thing about the Caribbean is it's large enough that if a storm is in the Western Caribbean or the eastern Caribbean it's usually somewhere that again they can kind of go around it so to speak and depending on the storm you know it dictates different things. If you want, you can actually go to royalcaribbeanblog.com, go use the search function, look for probably the word hurricane. I'm sure you'll find some old articles about this ship missing a port here, this ship missing a port there, this ship being delayed here. They do their best. More often than not, again, it's you're staying in a port longer, you're skipping a port. That's the most common thing that will happen. It's not so much that, again, your cruise gets canceled. You may get a different port. So the thing about cruising in in the Caribbean in hurricane season is just be aware that you might not go to the ports you think you're going to. And just keep that in mind. That's always, and that's the risk any time of the year. You never know what's going to happen. There could be a strike in a port. You'll never see that coming. It doesn't matter what time of the year, right? Lots of things can happen that can cause diversions in your itinerary. It's not common. I wouldn't bet on it. But the great thing about cruising during hurricane season is the prices. They're really great because two major factors. One, hurricane season. Two, is because most kids are in school during the late fall, especially September and October, and even November to a certain extent. So you can get some great deals on there. I've cruised many, many years during hurricane season. I've taken I can't tell you how many cruises I've taken, majority have been during hurricane season, and I do not regret it at all. It's been a great deal for me financially because I've gotten some really great deals, especially when you consider those prices versus a spring break or even earlier in the summer, July, August, that kind of a time of year. And of course, it's going to be warm, so you're going to be guaranteed good weather and the hurricane season is the off season in the C- Caribbean, so a lot of these ports are very not busy, and that's good for a couple of reasons. One, you're not going to be like you know socked in with lots of tourists, and also on top of it, the vendors and and people working there in the islands they're more aggressive in terms of trying to give you the best deal out there because you're the only business in town. For in many islands, you may be the only ship that's coming there for the week. When we did a cruise out of San Juan, we were on Jewel this season. We went to a couple of different islands. And I remember, I think in Antigua, the taxi driver was saying, we're the only ship for, it was at least four or five days, if not the week. So again, it, it kind of works in your advantage if the people there know, oh, this is the only business we're going to get. Let's try to get the best deal out there. So again, it's something, you know, and Stephanie asked, how much should I worry? I'd be cognizant. Obviously you want to track these things, be aware of what's going on. The good news is, I feel like the deals you can get and the options that are out there are certainly great. And would I go on a cruise versus not go on a cruise on the concern of there being a hurricane? No, absolutely not. I would let it fly. You know, I'd be prepared that you might not be going to the island you think you're going to, but they're going to put, they're going to put you on a cruise and they're going to do the best possible job I think to really put you and have a good time. Even if that means you're sitting in port all week, even if that means you're cruising to beautiful and scenic Baltimore, Maryland, whatever it is, Port Canaveral, wherever you happen to be going. Look, it's still better than being at work, right? And I've taken it. And thus far, I've been very lucky. I have not had any issues. I've We've certainly dodged storms here and there. I remember my honeymoon cruise, we were going on Mariner of the Seas. And I remember there was like, I think people tell us after, like where we were, we kept on like missing the storm here and there. It just happened. So it's part of the fun. And I really wouldn't, uh, worry about it all that much. In fact, I would enjoy it. And if it's a great deal, Stephanie, I would hop on it. And you know, that's part of what makes a vacation fun and memorable. And I think you'll have a good time. So, and if any of our listeners have any feedback and differ on opinion, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. Please chime in, and mail us, uh, matt at realcaribbeanblog.com. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Thanks, Stephanie. Hey, it's time to answer your emails, tweets, Facebook messages, everything else you've sent me. I love reading this part, and I really do. And I got to say, once again, thank you to everybody who's listening to this podcast, not just this week, but every week. It means a lot to me that so many of you are enjoying this. It's so much fun for me, and it's really redeeming to hear that you're all enjoying it, too. And I'm glad we're doing this kind of together, so it's kind of a fun experience. So anyway, let's jump into our emails. First and foremost, we got an email from Christopher Percy, who writes, in episode 43, regarding internet access, it's great to hear that Royal Caribbean is bringing its fleet into the 21st century with upgraded Wi-Fi capabilities. In today's world of being connected while cruising is important to many people for various reasons, I am one of them. Thanks for the informative overview and you've really raised our expectations on the upgrades and feature enhancements too. Hey, Christopher, I love being connected and I'm looking forward to actually having fast internet connections on sea. It makes it easier for me to share my experience with all of you and it's just, I, I like having that sharing. that thing for me, Being at sea and sharing my vacation is a big deal for me. So I find it a lot of fun. Let's go to an email from Paul Westbrook. Matt, thanks so much for this podcast. I hope you're well, my friend. Question about freedom of the seas, the pizza on board. How does it compare to, say, Via Napoli and Disney World? I know water can be key, and Via Napoli imports it. I also, well, let's get to this question first. So pizza. All right. Let me put this out here. I come from the Northeast, specifically the New York City area, even more specifically, Connecticut. And we like to think up here that this is the pizza capital of the universe. So with that in mind, I don't think very highly of Royal Caribbean's pizza in general. It's that... To me, it's like that cardboardy, mass-produced stuff you might get out of the freezer section of your supermarket. And that being said, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not like... It's not going to compete in any winning awards. But you know what? It's, it's funny, because with all that being said, we've been on many cruises, and we'll go to like the Windjammer, Air, which has their pizza, or we'll go to... Uh, Sorrento's, or the Cafe Promenade, and they all have pizza there, and you know what, when you're on the cruise, and it's late afternoon, you need a snack, I'll tell you, that that bad pizza tastes really, really good, <laughs> there was one day, we were in the wind gym on Jewel of the Seas, and I'll tell you, I don't know what it was about that bad pizza, but it was so good, I don't know, It's gonna, I think it was just, you had to be there, it was on vacation kind of thing, so, no, it doesn't compare very well, you know, to real world pizza, but, I don't know, maybe you're on vacation, tastes a little bit better, Paul also says, How about the lattes from Seattle's best on board versus Starbucks? Any other snack type shops on that gorgeous looking promenade? Finally, I can't tell you how hard I laugh at your previous comment, how, quote, how the wives wouldn't take one for the team, end quote, by possibly scoring free drinks by only tapas at the Caribbean bar. (laughs) Can you believe those wives of mine? Nah, I'm just kidding. The, you know, here's the thing about the coffee. I'm not the best expert because I don't drink real coffee. I drink Starbucks, but I drink like frappuccinos and macchiatos and things like that, which is not real coffee. I don't drink like black coffee. I never got the taste for it. So to me, I would only drink like Starbucks because Starbucks is that kind of fake coffee as I call it. But uh, I think for a lot of people, it depends. But I think most people generally agree that the Starbucks is better than Seattle's best at least people I've talked to that drink coffee. But again, of course, Starbucks costs more than Seattle's Best. So again, it's hard to go with free, hard to go with free, which is what Seattle's Best is the brand of coffee that Royal Caribbean offers on board. So I try it out because it's free. Why not? And you know, maybe you splurge once in a while and get a cup of coffee through Starbucks on a different day. Next, we have a Facebook message from Inez Calango. How long does it normally take to debark from the ship at the end of the cruise? I would like to know because I want to book a day trip to Orlando after my cruise from Oasis of the Seas. Does it take an hour? And as that's a great question, so disembarkation, when you're like leaving, like your cruise is over and now you have to leave, it's kind of a weird process. So you have two kinds of ways to leave the ship. One is if you're bringing your own luggage and another is if you have luggage that you're going to have sent and you'll pick it up later, you bring your own luggage and self disembarking. It's actually very easy. You can be among the first people to leave the ship. You just have to wait for the ship to be cleared by customs, which usually happens around six 37 o'clock in the morning, give or take. And then you'll be out and you'll be able to leave right away. The thing is, you got to bring your own bags with you. So if you've got six things of luggage, you got to lug it all through the ship. But you can do that. And that is an option for you. It just requires more lugging around. Now, the other option is if you have the luggage, they'll take it from you the night before. On your last night of your cruise, you pick it up in the customs area afterwards. So you only have to bring you know just one bag maybe through the whole process. Advantage, convenience. Disadvantage, it will take longer. Basically, what you tell Royal Caribbean is, you know, where you're going after your cruise, if you have a flight or something like that. And they kind of give you an idea of what time, they give you a group. It's, kind of, it's like a boarding group for an airplane, but in reverse. So, the, the longer, the higher your number or whatever, the lighter you'll disembark. I think the latest you ever disembark is like 9-ish, like 9, 9.30 maybe. So with all that being said, it, you know, it's kind of this weird thing. So you can, even though they give you the number, you can go to, services and tell them, hey, look, I really need to get off earlier than this. Is there something they can do? They usually accommodate you as best they can, give you a little different number so you can get out of there. The whole process probably, once they call your number to when you actually... So, calling your number to getting down to customs, to getting your luggage, doesn't take all that long, usually. There might be a small line, but it's usually moving. The issue is you got to get from your luggage to get through customs because, then you're re-entering the United States. So, there's a whole customs line there, and of course the customs are notorious for being long. I would say... An hour is probably a safe bet in terms of, you know, from when they call your number to when you're leaving. Again, barring any kind of weird situation. We were on Navigator this season. I don't know what was happening. Some dude ahead of us was taking forever. It took a little longer than probably it should have. But by and large, they do a pretty good job of moving you through there. Cause again, they got it. They got to keep you, they got to keep the line moving. They got to empty the ship and obviously get all the new people in later that day. So, you know, what I would do in your case, Inez, especially if you are going to, uh, Orlando and you're doing a day trip, and you only have a limited amount of time, you might consider taking your own luggage with you, self disembarkation. that way you can be among the first people out of there, and that will guarantee you probably the best that you'll be out of there, you'll be on the road, or at least out of off Oasis of the season on ground by, geez, you know, seven-ish in the morning, certainly no later than eight o'clock, so that would be definitely be the way to go, I think. We have another email about internet access. This comes from Ron, and Ron says, I was particularly interested in your podcast, but internet access. I'm an internet junkie, and I've used Royal Caribbean's Wi-Fi a number of times. A couple things on your podcast. I found out this month that Independence of the Seas also offers the unlimited Wi-Fi and price you mentioned. Legend of the Seas, I did a Panama Canal cruise on her in April, offers various minutes packages up to 1600 for $399, which is pretty expensive, though you can use the discount coupon you get as Crown and Anchor members as you mentioned. As Emerald, I got 15% off. Second, a good place in port to find free Wi-Fi is Starbucks. However, some Starbucks locations overseas charge for their Wi-Fi. An example, in Nassau in the Bahamas at $3 an hour, which is still cheaper than Royal Caribbean's Wi-Fi. Strangely, some ports can be hard to find Wi-Fi. For example, in St. Thomas, you mentioned eateries being a good place for Wi-Fi, and that was the case in Charlotte Amalier. There's a deli called Jen's Deli, which offers it, though you must buy something to eat in order to use it. I'm curious to see what the new satellite system will look like and what it'll cost. Thanks to the podcast. Great points, Ron. I appreciate the info on Independence of the Seas as well as Legend of the Seas. And yeah, Starbucks is usually a good option. I think I've been in that Starbucks in in Nassau, Bahamas, in fact, now that I think about it. And yeah, most restaurants usually have it. A lot of the bars, especially the ones right by the ship, you'll see huge signs because they know what people are looking for there. So you might look there. Find Wi-Fi. It's usually pretty easy to find again. You just have to go off the ship. But I would recommend it, especially if you're not getting one of those packages that Royal Caribbean offers. Go out on the port. Costs a couple of dollars. Hey, I mean, most of the time it's at a bar, so I'll get. A, I was going to get a drink anyway, so you know why not? Kill two birds with one stone, right? Next, we have an email from Joy Weaver who writes, "Matt, thanks for episode number forty regarding Saint Martin. It was wonderful. For young adults, we are looking for the beach and some shopping. Thinking of the capital of Marigot and then to Orient Beach. You speak of question regarding food." I have a large family. I don't want to spend a lot of money on food while on the islands. The prices for food at St. Martin, are they reasonable that won't stress me out? I would like to do two things, shopping and beach, but I don't want to spend too much in between for food. Thoughts? Great question, Joy. Now, I know in Joy's email, actually, I didn't read it because I didn't think it was relevant. She did ask for that guy, Leo Brown, that I use on my Times, actually Times, portal on St. Martin. If you do get him or any other driver, I would tell them that. Say, look, we're looking for someplace cheap to eat. Because a lot of these chain places and a lot of places that cater to the tourists, they're expensive. So tell him, look, we're looking for a place that's going to be like, you know, 10 bucks a person. He'll bring you to maybe some local places, which, A, give you a better taste of, you know, real food, not just eating burgers. Other than that's maybe where they'll bring you. But it won't be touristy food is what I'm trying to say. And you'll save a lot of money on it. So I would do that. That would probably be the best thing to do. I also feel that the prices in general, food, shopping, everything is slightly cheaper on the Dutch side of the island than the French side. So if all else fails, you may just consider eating on the Dutch side and looking around there and then going out to Orient Beach and Marigot. Marigot is much more expensive. It's the French side. It just commands a higher price. Who knows why? But that's how the French are, I guess. (laughs) Sorry. Apologies to all the French listeners that are out there. Um, So that's probably going to be the best thing to do. But have a great time, Joy. We have an email from Terry. I've been a longtime follower of the WDW Today podcast and was happy to see that you have a podcast series and website. I'm taking my second Royal Caribbean cruise in July on Navigator of the Seas. I've been listening to your podcast and website and loving all the great planning information. I would love a podcast on any tips and things you've learned, for example, being able to bring bottles of wine on board. Thank you for all the time and your effort into both podcasts. Thank you, Terry. You know, first thing I would do, and I think you've already probably seen it, Terry, is I would check out that thread I had on my live blogging on Navigator of the Seas that I did back in uh, February. Man, it's been that long, huh? <sighs> Need to get back. Sorry, I got distracted. So I would start there. That's usually – that was my kind of like little things that I might not remember right now I put in there because it was, you know, fresh in my mind. So that's where I would start, certainly. And, you know, otherwise, I would really take a look at not only other podcasts, but self-serving and and, of course – also, also will are going to be checking out other articles in our blog. If you actually search for 101, 101, we have a whole series about 101, and I think that's kind of helpful, especially with little things here and there. But otherwise, check out, we have uh, the Royal Caribbean Blog message board, which is a great place to go with. It's one of those things that's like, a lot of people ask me, you know, are well, some great tips? And it's like, well, it kind of depends. What are you looking to do? And then that kind of spawns ideas. But certainly, getting the ship very early Making sure you're doing as much research as you can ahead of time. That's the key. And if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're probably already doing that. But, you know, just don't go in there with a blank. A lot of people just show up, like my parents, they do this all the time and it kills me. They just show up and it's like, well, how do you know what to do? How do you know what's good and bad? I'm not saying you have to spend hours and, and weeks and years planning it, but, you know, a little bit of research goes a long way, right? So, go about that way. And you know what, Terry, I always try to infuse in this podcast as many tips as I can that might be relevant to you. And let me think of one. Oh, here you go, Terry. Here's one for you. Navigate the seas. Go check out the helipad. You can get up there, uh, especially during sail away. It's a great time to be on the helipad and you can have access to it. You just ask one of the crew members how you get there because it's weird on every ship. I think it's deck four. You walk forward and you actually just walk up there and it's right over there. It's a great spot both when you're in port, when you're leaving port, when you're at sea. It's just one great photo opportunity. So make sure you go check out sail away on the helipad. It's a great spot. So thank you Terry for the email. Well, that'll do it this week, but don't forget. You can also send us emails, tweets, Facebook messages. You can be on this very podcast virtually anyway. You can uh, of course tweet us at the RCL blog, Facebook. We are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. And of course you can email us Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com M A T T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. I love getting the messages. So until next week, I'm Matt Hochberg and we'll talk again soon.